very much. It's uh, been a great morning so far. Really looking forward to uh, spending some time together, just uh, sharing God's word with one another here, seeing what the Lord will say to us. Sometimes, uh, we're in Acts, by the way, we're going to be in Acts uh, 21 as we continue our, our series, Neighbourhoods to Nations. Sometimes when you read the Bible, it's kind of, uh, yeah, that's familiar, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's encouraging and strengthening all the rest of it, but it's not a surprise. Other times you read the Bible and it's, oh, I, didn't, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, that was, uh, I have to kind of process that. It's a little bit uh, different than what I was expecting. And uh, this passage, there's some things in here which kind of were a little bit like that for me. I don't know if you've ever kind of sanded a piece of wood, just you're working on a piece of wood. No, me neither. But I'm just imagining sanding a piece of wood and uh, you just need a lump in it. And you have to spend a bit more time there where you want to get it flat. And, or maybe, maybe the washing up's a better example. Uh, a while since I've done that as well. But you know, you, in, in my student days, there might be, a, you just, you'll be, the sponge will be gliding across the plate like a snow plough, all's going well, but then you can feel it, that little cornflake that, uh, from, from last week's kind of uh, breakfast, it's, it's still there, stuck on, and you need to kind of go back and just work on it a little bit, and sometimes you have to go green, don't you? You have to kind of flip that sponge around and uh, really get serious with it, and there's, there's something in this passage that I've just really enjoyed, because I love it when I read the Bible and that happens. It's like there's something here that God wants to, to change my thinking. There's, there's something here that God wants to shape my thinking. There's, there's something that he's gonna, his spirit's going to be at work in us as we, we look at things, not what we expected. But often we do come across things that aren't expected because God is a, he's revealing himself to us, things that we didn't know, things that we didn't emphasize, things that we didn't have quite in the right order, in the right context. He brings that to us through his word. And wonderfully, I'm believing he's going to be doing that this morning as we look at this passage is going to, we're going to be lingering on a truth that maybe is familiar to you. Maybe you do understand this quite well. But nevertheless, I feel God wants to soak us in a particular truth this morning and let it shape us more deeply. So we're going to be looking in Acts uh, 21, as I say, just a bit of background. I'm sure you're, you know where we are kind of as we're following through this series, if you've been with us for any length of time, but maybe you're kind of just joining us here as a, as a one-off. So Paul has been, this is what is known as his third missionary journey. He'll, he'll serve, we bring the map up. He's kind of gone around uh, through Asia, modern-day Turkey, around the Aegean Sea, and he just he's coming back again. So the gospel, it started in Jerusalem. Uh, the, um, many Jews were getting uh, saved, were responding to the gospel. Paul and others were taking it all the way around this kind of region here to people who weren't Jewish, often Greeks. And they too were responding to the gospel. They were turning from their old way of life. So they're repenting from it, saying, no, that's, I'm not going to live that way anymore. And turning to faith in Jesus, I'm going to trust in Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And so Paul's been doing that actually this time in this journey. He's re revisiting a lot of places he planted on his second journey. And now he's coming back to Jerusalem. And there's a celebration in terms of what God has done. But there's also a particular challenge that they are going to be looking at together, and that's what we're going to be thinking about too. So let me just read a bit of the passage here, starting in verse 17, and a few, few verses on, and then we'll, we'll think about it together. So when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. On the following day, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. After greeting them, he related one by one the things that God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified God. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who believed. They are zealous for the law, 
And they have been told about you, that is talking to Paul now, that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or walk according to our customs. What then is to be done? They will certainly hear that you have come. Do therefore what we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow. These, uh, take these men and purify yourself along with them and pay their expenses so that they may uh, shave their heads. Thus all will know that there is nothing in what they have been told about you, that you your, but that you yourself also live in observance of the law. But as for the Gentiles who have believed, we have sent a letter to them with our judgment that they should abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. In chapter 15, there was a, a big discussion there, wasn't there, in Jerusalem amongst the, uh, the apostles there. How, how, how should we... What, how should the, the Gentiles are getting saved? What's their relationship to the, the law that Moses gave us as uh, Jew, Jewish people? And they sent a letter to them with their, um, with their kind of um, the results of their discussion. Then Paul took the men, and the next day he purified himself along with them and went into the temple, giving notice when the days of purification would be fulfilled and the offering presented for each one of them. When the seven days were almost completed, the Jews from Asia seeing him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who is teaching everyone everywhere against the people and the law in this place. Moreover, he even brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus, uh, the Ephesian, with him in the city, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. Then all the city was stirred up. And the people ran together. They seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple. And at once the gates were shut. So there's a, a lot going on there. There's a um, lot, lot to kind of take in. But I want to take a step back from it and just take the, the main message or the message that I think that God wants to speak to us about today. And really the challenge for me as I read it is kind of Paul arrives at the city having kind of gone around and preached the gospel to the Gentiles. And there, are, there is some concern that Paul has been telling people to forsake the law. And indeed, he has been saying things like uh, circumcision counts for nothing. He's been saying things like, um, yes, kind of one person might eat one thing, one person might eat another, um, but actually these things aren't the, aren't, aren't the important thing in themselves. They all point to Jesus. And in terms of purification and rituals and these rites that they were talking about here, actually their fulfillment is all found in Jesus. All of the laws that God gave Moses, they're really pointing and uh, prefiguring Jesus who would come and would fulfill those things. And it's actually because of what Jesus has done. His blood, faith in his blood, which means his death, that cleanses us from sin. It's not the washings that cleanses us, it's that cleanse us. It's not kind of physically that we need washing. There's a washing of the, of the heart, an internal cleansing that needs to come because of the things we've done and said and really the way we've rebelled against God. We need to be made clean and these external washings were just a sign to that. They weren't the real thing. And so I'm kind of expecting Paul to say, no, my heart is purified by faith. Let me kind of tell you how these things work. But it was a little surprise to me. It's a little kind of... Uh, uh, caught me by surprise. He doesn't do that. He, he goes along with what they are asking him. And this is the thing that caught my attention. And it reminded me, similarly, I was a little bit puzzled previously when I'd read in Acts chapter 15, when they have this discussion about should the Gentiles, uh, the non-Jews, be asked to observe 
the law that Moses had given them kind of years and years ago, involving all these different kind of rituals and things that they, they should do. And instead of saying, no, they can completely ignore all of it, they, well, they first of all established that we're saved by faith in Jesus, by the grace of what Jesus has done. They're very clear about that as they discuss it together. They spend some time talking. Um, we'll talk about that later. But they, they say, no, it's by faith that we're saved, faith in what Jesus has done. However, they go on to say, but uh, Gentiles, you will do well to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from uh, the, the, the meat of strangled animals, uh, the meat with the blood still in it. And that's kind of it's a, it's a surprise to me. Again, because these things weren't the real thing. They were a shadow pointing towards their fulfillment in Jesus, in his blood cleansing us from sin. And they also say, and we, we want you to abstain from sexual immorality. Less of a surprise in, in some ways. But still I'm thinking, why are they asking the Gentiles to in one sense, observe some of these aspects of the Jewish law. And so I'm taking a step back from chapter 15 and chapter 21 and thinking, what is, what is the big deal going on here? Because I don't know about, about you, but sometimes I'm tempted to dive in. And we, you do do that with the Bible. You dive in and do a lot of work and thinking and study and so on. But it's good to then step back. God, what are you saying? What's the big, I don't want to miss the big picture here in all the detail. What's going on? And what's going on in these two chapters, chapter 15 and chapter 21, is really a clash of cultures. It's two cultures coming together, two different ways of living and doing things that are, kind of, that are, that are, being, that are facing each other. And particularly, it's brought home in Jerusalem. In fact, Paul brings some Gentiles with him back to Jerusalem, this kind of the center of, uh, of Jewish life and uh, culture, and suddenly there are Gentiles all over the place, and you see how skittish they get when they think there might be a Gentile in the temple. They weren't allowed to be in certain parts of the temple. These two cultures are coming together, and really they're just, everyone is trying to work out what this looks like. They've been joined together, believers, uh, the Gentile believers, the Jewish believers, there's a, a real genuine unity that has already been established through their faith in Jesus through their sharing of the same spirit. It's not like they're trying to work out how to unify these two groups of people, these two, cult, these two uh, groups of people. That already is a basis for their unity in their faith in Jesus. But they're saying, what does that look like practically? How does that outwork in our everyday lives? How can we express and enjoy the unity that we have together in Jesus? I think that is the big deal that is going on here. And so I want us to look very briefly at the challenge of togetherness and then expressing and enjoying our togetherness. Because although in one sense, there's, we haven't got the same kind of issue, Jew and Gentile, to the extent that they had there, certainly, there, are never, I mean, there was a massive difference in their cultures. For the Jews, that had hundreds of years of being shaped by God's law. They had, they had shared history. For the Greeks, the Gentiles, they were influenced by other things in their thinking and their culture. I mean, some good, some bad. They had... Uh, I guess, years and years of Greek philosophy and this polytheism, which is kind of a little bit like our soap opera, celebrity culture, um, all that kind of thing thrown in together. They were feeding on this kind of cosmic soap opera uh, in the sky, these gods doing these kind of crazy things. Like a bit, watching a big box set up there, I think it was, kind of, you know, what are these, what are these gods doing? And it was th what the stories were affecting them and how they thought and how they... Uh, conducted themselves and their relationships. And these two cultures, very, very different. 
kind of hundreds of years old each, in, in, steeped in different ideas, different values. And they were now, there was a unity between them because of their faith in Jesus. But what does that look like practically? How does that work out and express itself? How could they enjoy it together? That's the issue I think that's going on. And for us, again, we might not have the same, the same things. I mean, they had different diets, celebrations, rituals, families, languages, and access to different parts of the temple. And that kind of produced conflict. Because it, it, difference in culture can produce conflict. And in fact, if you follow Paul's journey all around the, kind of the Mediterranean through Asia and the GNC and so on, it's just like little kind of explosions going off all the time. He virtually has to run from one city to the next as these cultures are, are colliding. And here he comes back to Jerusalem. And you'll notice again, there's just these explosions going off as these cultures, I mean, those that, that don't believe in Jesus, the Jews and, and the, the Gentiles, there's kind of a clash between them. But even in the church, there's a challenge because differences, differences in culture, even good cultures can cause difficulty in living and expressing and enjoying the very real unity that we have together in Jesus. So I'm looking at that and wondering about it. This, is, this, this, apply, this applies to us. So there are many differences amongst us. And I thought before we get too deep into this, I thought it might be quite fun to uh, just think about some of our more trivial differences. And I thought, what better way to do that than a little quiz? Well, have you ever played that game, Would You Rather?, would you rather do this or would you, you... You're going to play it now. There's an opportunity right now. Would you rather do this or would you rather do that? And uh, so the first uh, question I'm going to ask you is, would you rather spend the night in a luxury hotel room or camping surrounded by beautiful scenery? So who's a luxury hotel room? Who is going to join me in that? Oh, it's just fantastic. And how about camping in beautiful scenery? That's amazing. It's kind of like 50-50. There's a, there's a difference there. Let's kind of, let's move on. What about after a hard day's work? It's a classic introvert-extrovert question. Would you, you, it's just been a stressful day for one reason or another. You're depleted. Would you rather stay in and I don't know, have a nice cup of tea, watch TV, whatever it is, or would you rather go out and see lots of people? And uh, who would rather stay in? <laughs> who, 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 who wants to kind of recharge with others and kind of there's, there's a few there's a few out there brilliant we're a little bit different or some may be quite balanced and 50-50 in fact but, um, yeah let's, let's try another one would you rather get up early or stay up late who's kind of an early bird wow <laughs> why <laughs> four did you say four Three. That's not even early. That's kind of like late. <laughs> I think that strays into like, wow, that is early. How about who wants to, who about staying up late? And uh, who's kind of a bit dozy even now? <laughs> even, now even now it's a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Yeah, I used to be kind of a late. I'm just now not sure. I mean, uh, there's probably a, a minute somewhere in the middle of the day where I kind of uh, spring into action. Okay, let's, uh, let's do a couple more. Um, would you, I found this one on the internet. I thought that's an interesting one. Would you, you can't do this. But would you, well, not at the moment, um, anyway, would you rather go back into the past and meet your ancestors, I, I guess like they do on that kind of film, where's that, that TV program where you, know, where you meet, might even call meet your ancestors, or would you rather go into the future to meet your great-great-grandchildren? Who's a kind of an interested-in-the-past kind of person? You want to travel back. And how about the future? To see the grandchildren. Isn't that interesting? 
it's kind of 50 50, 50 50, 50 50. Uh, these are trivial things, aren't they, in some ways, but it just illustrates the difference between us. I'll just do one more. Uh, would you rather make uh, a decision quickly or would you rather take your time over it? So, who would rather make a decision quickly? If your hands are up, it's not you. But yeah, that's good. There's some people that make a decision quickly. And uh, I'm just going to give the rest of you some time to think about that. And you can uh, get back to me next week on uh, your considered opinion on that. We're different in all kinds of ways. They're just kind of some, some perhaps, uh, perhaps more trivial, but actually even those things can, we, we can find it difficult together as we kind of live and, and um, kind of walk, walk together in life. These differences make a difference. I mean, do you go to this place or that place? I mean, we're different musical tastes, different financial situations, different diets, ethnicities, social classes, priorities, different body clocks, different family situations, doctrinal convictions, and we'll maybe talk about that towards the end, different cultures, different political persuasions, and different personalities. There's a wonderful word from Wayne about uniqueness, and we're all unique, we're all different combination of these things. There's probably no two that are exactly the same if we were to kind of do some kind of scale and all of these things. And while that's interesting and fun kind of looking at, it does bring a challenge to us as we do things together, as we express our unity in Jesus as we make decisions together, as we live together. There's some very real challenges. And I've been enjoying reading this book uh, called Divide, Divides by uh, Natalie Williams and Paul Brown. And they're looking and exploring the difference and class differences often in uh, different communities and churches. Kind of sometimes you think, oh, that kind of doesn't apply anymore. But it, it, it really does in different situations, and people feel it in different ways. And um, they're just, I'll read what they, what they say. One example they give of these kind of differences of, of, of values that are, that are good, but they're just weighted differently and applied differently in different situations. They say, a working class employee has always uh, been honest in everything he said. These, this example of these two people having a conversation. And if he thought it, he'd say it. Again, because valuing honesty. He didn't seem at all concerned that he might cause offense. Honesty was a very important trait to him. However, what was important to this, uh, the, the guy he was talking to, this trustee, who was a, a middle-class trustee, who described himself as, was not his, the value that he had was not to cause offence. So he was much more measured in his choice of words, being very careful not to be offensive. And here's the deal, they write, the result was that both men felt insulted by the other. Both men felt insulted by the other. There was a clash of cultures and just a difference in applying good values. And if you're not aware of what the other person, where they're coming from, the culture that they're in, the way of doing things, there's a challenge. The middle-class man's careful choice of words, chosen so as not to cause offence, had the opposite effect because he was perceived to be kind of two-faced or hiding something. And the, the other man thought... Um, the other man was thought to be downright rude because he actually said what he thought which was a revelation to this other guy. There's two different values. Neither one is right, nor one is wrong. It's just a difference. And as we discuss together and talk together, we need to be aware of these things. At the very least, lest we disciple people into our culture and not our Christianity. We need to disciple people into our culture, not our Christianity. And one of the, one of the, the authors of this book said, you know, looking back at the first kind of, I don't know, 10 five, ten years of, uh, of being discipled in a, in a church, I kind of realized that a lot of it was simply just being discipled into a culture, 
There's lots of other good things that were happening there, but a lot of it was learning the, the rules, as it were, of the culture. And culture is a good thing. It really helps kind of bring people together and, 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 and live together. It's kind of the oil in that. But really, there's a, when two cultures are different, there needs to be something deeper. We need to kind of think more deeply about it and how this unity works out in practice. So just a, a few examples there, just to get, give us an idea of, uh, of the challenge. That's the, the challenge of... Um, of, of our togetherness when there are all kinds of differences. Why don't we move on now to think about expressing and enjoying our togetherness? And I was really encouraged that last week, actually Hester brought a word about an orchestra. I thought, oh, so helpful. Uh, I think there was another word about, um, about a, a, a kind of a, a meadow as well and different kind of uh, plants and things growing up. If you think about, it's all about variety and diversity. And if you think about an orchestra, there's all kinds of different instruments. They all look very, very different. If you were like a Martian from outer space, you might not even realize, looking at them, that they're all instruments. They look so different. And they all make different noises. But if you were just to turn up and pick up an instrument and start playing it, and we all picked one and started playing, it would not sound a, like a beautiful symphony. There would be work to be done, not only in learning to play our own instruments, but in learning how to play it with others, so that it actually, you get more than the sum of, some of the parts, more than just a lot of solos. We'd be playing different things in different timings, and it would, you, the, the result is incredible, isn't it? When, it? when it's done well, there's a wonderful unity to that in a glorious diversity. And that is the challenge that they're trying to work out. Stepping back from these two chapters, they're looking, how does this work out in practice, our unity in Jesus? What does that look like, given our very different cultures? And um, even to some extent, things that we emphasize and things that we don't. And I've just dropped down a few things. We could say loads of things, but I'm not, I'm not, because I'm not an expert on this, I just thought, let's just see what the passage says, what God wants to say to us, and we'll, kind of, we'll go in that direction. I'm sure someone else could give a talk about, kind of, these are the things to do kind of, from experience, but... Um, I know my experience is, is limited, but I trust God's word, so I'm trusting him to speak to us about this. And as it were, kind of to go green, just to kind of to sand something off in our thinking, to shape our thinking, that these things would go deep and would be worked out amongst us. And I, I'm sure this will lead to lots of conversations, and it, it, it must do, really, as we talk together and apply these things. But the first thing I notice they, they do here, and the first thing is that they celebrate the salvation of people different to themselves. They celebrate the salvation of people different to themselves. The, the Jewish believers, when they heard that the Gentile, Gentiles were getting saved, they celebrated. It was a good thing. It was going to cause some challenges and difficulties, but first and foremost, it is a good thing. See, we, we could think that, okay, let's just split up into different groups. That would be the easier thing to do. We're all believers in Jesus, but we'll have this group over here and this group over there, and maybe this church here and that church over there, and that's kind of one solution. But it doesn't understand what God is actually doing in the church, that there's something to be celebrated as a diversity of people from different backgrounds, cultures, uh, come to know him and are unified together. There's something that God wants to display to the world in that. He doesn't want to keep us separate. And so we have that phrase, they glorified God. And what that means is they glorified God. They say, this actually expresses something brilliant about God. This expresses something of the excellence of God. This demonstrates something of who God is, that he would, that he would save people that are very different to ourselves. And this is something to lean into and to think about and to work out so that people can see it. Glory is about visible excellence. It's about that which is, which is invisible, which might not be seen being manifest and shown and shone out 
in the world. And there's something about different people coming to know Jesus and walking together and expressing and enjoying that unity which declares the, which displays the glory of God. So they celebrated it first and foremost. The start of the Bible is really a sin separating people from God. And once that fracture has happened, there's a, there's a horizontal fracturing that happens. No sooner it has, has man been separated from God and, or mankind, then there's fractures in relationship and uh, men and women fall out, brothers fall out, and a few pages on, this is just disaster. Relationships kind of are all over the place. And what God has done in Jesus is he has solved the problem, solved the problem which led to the fracturing in such a deep way that it needs to be displayed. And um, uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I will tell you about our cat. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was a good illustration, but I, I don't know, it helps me. We, had the, we got this cat, and he got into a fight, and he got a wound on, his, on the side of his face. And so we, it kept healing up. And then it kept kind of opening up again. It, it, it kept healing up, and we thought, great, he's better now. And the next day, Luck, he's not better. And it seems to actually get worse and worse. He would heal up, heal up. When we went to the vet, that's what happens, you see. If you've got an infection, there's something deep down inside that's not wrong. It'll heal up on the surface, but it'll fester and get worse underneath, such that it actually explodes out again. And there's a bit of relief, and it kind of sorts itself out. But then it heals up again. You've got to sort out the problem, which is way antibiotics in that case. When the world sees different people united together, different cultures, different kind of, even to some extent, surface value system, different personalities, when the world sees and people see a, a genuine, lasting unity there, it's a sign that something very deep has happened, that the real problem has been addressed. There's a relationship between us and God that's been sorted finally, and that is working its way out in very real and visible and tangible ways. So no wonder they gave glory to God when they saw that people very different from themselves were being saved. And after this, this is, we're talking about Revelation, weren't we? The book of Revelation. As John sees this vision, uh, uh, this worship in heaven, he says, And behold, I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one can count from every nation and all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. God is most glorified in us when his plans to unite the nations together in worship of Jesus, sharing one Lord, one Savior, when that is displayed and visible on the earth. That was always his plan right from the beginning. Uh, so no wonder they glorified God. Let's move on a little bit, maybe pick up, pick up the pace a bit. The second thing is we need to be aware and accommodating of our differences. And again, stepping back from the, the, the detail of this passage, there's a, there's a heart to try and work out how this fits, taking into account um, convictions, taking into account God's word, taking into account all these things. How, can we, how does this work out in practice? Needing to understand each other, needing to be aware of the differences, not to assume that everybody is like us and interpret them in that way. That's what's going on here. And again, for us, it's important for us to be aware of the different cultures and We've talked about you know, some things like, are you a night owl or are you a kind of a morning person? But there's, I mean, there's a million and one different ways in which we are, we are different. And there might even be kind of a majority culture, a minority culture. And it's even more important to kind of understand those cultures that we might not be aware about amongst us. 
I tell you, I've been in some situations sometimes in, in different kind of cultures uh, to my own, and it's, it's kind of, can be quite hard work. And you're not really sure what's going to happen next, because you're so used to knowing how things work out and how social relationships kind of uh, unfold themselves and what you're supposed to do when, that you don't think about it. That's part of the benefit of culture. It allows kind of some ease in that. But when you go into situations that isn't your culture, it can be exhausting trying to work out what, what should I do when. And we need to hear from one another, understand one another, kind of learn to kind of live in those situations, talk together about the differences amongst us. Actually, there's another quote here um, from this book, Divides. It says, Jesus demolishes divisions, but cultivates diversity. I really like that. Jesus demolishes divisions, but cultivates diversity. However, in order to embrace, affirm, and value our differences, we need to understand what keeps us apart from those around us. We need to explore the ways in which we might inadvertently exclude, alienate, or even offend those who share our faith, but not our life experience. We need to see the invisible divides. And on a related note, we also need to see the, what things that might put a barrier between uh, perhaps ourselves and those that, ha- that are exploring Jesus at the moment, those that aren't kind of, haven't got, don't share our faith, being mindful that there's a kind of culture even amongst us as a, as a church. As we gather, we do things in a particular way. We want to kind of limit the barriers um, between us in that respect. So third thing, really it, it stands out to me that Paul, he came with some Gentiles to Jerusalem. He worked and he served and he led with people that were very different to him. He didn't just find the Jewish people and kind of build church with them and plant church with them. But he walked alongside and he, and he built relationships with and he led with uh, non-Jews. Trophimus was a Gentile. Titus was a Greek. And it, made, it reminded me of, um, you remember Wouter came to see us kind of a couple of weeks ago. So helpful what he, what he brought to us. Many things. But one of the things that kind of came back to me was he said, there will be a multicultural expression to the leadership which has not been there before. And obviously we need to weigh prophetic words, we need to think about it, but it, it certainly fitted in here with what I'm seeing in Acts, in that what Paul was doing was he, was he was building and serving and working with people that were very different to himself. And it, it seemed to me that in order to really kind of get going in terms of our cultures coming together, there needs to be an expression of that even in our leadership in different kind of contexts. Now, don't mistake this for a, a, a shallow, in some ways good, but, but worldly way of thinking in terms of PC and proportional representation and so on. That's not what, what we're talking about. We're talking about a genuine joining together of hearts and minds in Christ for the sake of the glory of God and the gospel. That's what we're talking about. And it doesn't happen overnight. It's not something that you can just kind of change um, people around. It's built kind of behind the scenes in terms of relationship and, and getting to know one another and walking together and being on mission together and sharing heart together. But nevertheless, just something to take seriously as uh, Vout has encouraged us here. And it certainly seemed to fit in terms of the way Paul worked. And fourth, fourthly, I've only got one more after this, to be financially generous. To be financially generous. See, we don't actually hear it explicitly in here, but if we go forward into Acts 24, verse 17, we find that Paul delivered the... the, the, the he basically collected money when he went all the way around uh, on his journey. The Gentiles, he, he, the Gentiles were giving money to help and support the, the, the Christians in Jerusalem. It was a part of Paul's 
joining the two together, expressing their unity together, that this financial support should happen. Money is a wonderful way of joining people together. It can, all, it can do the opposite, can't it? it can, we all know that. But actually, wonderfully, as we share what we have with others, it can be a wonderful way of walking together, of standing with one another. And that's why it was so important to Paul to bring into Jerusalem from the Gentiles this offering, this financial support. Some of the Gentiles were very poor themselves. It, it wasn't just to do with the redistribution of wealth. It was to do with unity and standing together and expressing their oneness in Christ. And of course, we, we can do that as well. And I know many are doing that, kind of behind the scenes, just mindful of one another's circumstances and different ones kind of giving here, giving there, just kind of quietly and different ways to support one another. It's wonderful that going on organically amongst us. And also great that we can do that together. Again, we were just talking today about supporting Voucher and Simone. And that's part of our unity with them. That's part of us standing with the God's diverse, different worldwide church across the globe. It's a wonderful way that we can give into those things and express our unity with people very different to ourselves or different geographical places, working in different cultures. Finally, this, I'll, only, I'll just touch on this, but it's quite a, it's a subtle one in some ways. There's one more principle at work here, more evident perhaps in Acts 15, that we might have theological differences, and our the, theological convictions might work out in different ways. And we have the same Bible, but it, of course we different, we're trying to understand the same Bible, but we might have different, slightly different convictions about what it says. And what I learned from this, certainly going back to Acts chapter 15, is it's important to talk about these things together to have um, rigorous but respectful discussion with one another about God's, what God's Word said. We're united around God's Word, but we're not always on the same page in terms of our understanding. I'm sure when I get to heaven, there are going to be things I'm going to say, oh, I got that wrong. <laughs> I can't believe I stood up in front of everybody and said that, or I kind of said that in private or wherever it was. I was mistaken. Uh, that's going to happen, isn't it? I would have thought. And there are also going to be things, and probably you like me, we think, I thought I would, yeah, that's what I thought it said. Thank you, Lord, for the little bit of light that you gave me on that one particular thing. So there's going to be a mix, and, but together, the key thing is that we're together we work these things out, we talk together, and we say, what does that practically look amongst us? And sometimes it might not be the, the way that we always would be our first choice for doing something. But the important thing is to talk together. Now, there are some things obviously not up for debate or discussion in some ways. The deity of Jesus, salvation by grace alone through faith alone. And actually, they thought sexual ethics was a really important thing. It was something that, that was a global deal. You don't, you don't mess around with that. But in terms of the, the food laws and what, what people should eat and shouldn't eat, there was some discussion around that. And they, what helped was talking together. This is, uh, I'll, perhaps Van would like to come back. I'll finish uh, with this quote here. This is from a, a, a U.S. leader, Matt Chandler. He writes this. What binds us, what you and I have most in common, is not our upbringing, not where we land on specific social issues. But what holds us together is that I was lost and now I'm found, just like you. We have one Lord, the Savior, Jesus Christ. We share one Father, we're in the same family. We share the same spirit. These are the things that join us together at a, a profoundly deep level. And he says, we get to show off the glory of Jesus in how we agree on that. 
and how we just might disagree on a lot of other stuff, but I still love you and care for you, and you still love and care for me. Isn't that helpful? Should we stand together as I pray for us? Father, I thank you for each different individual here, different ones of us. We're all different. I thank you for the different cultures represented here, uh, perhaps from uh, just different ways of doing life, different kind of backgrounds, and I don't know, just a wonderful, glorious variety. Lord, I thank you that you brought us together in one place. And we, we ask that you wouldn't uh, remove our differences altogether. We ask that you would bring out the gold in them. Would you redeem what, what sin has done, fracturing nations and bringing division, and yet you've been sprinkling gold and working gold, even in our differences. Would you bring that together now? Would you redeem our differences? Bring us together in you. We, we, we love to show and demonstrate and enjoy and express the glory of God in the person of Jesus and what has been done in us. And Lord, we're just at the beginning of this, I'm, I'm sure. We're just at the beginning. I pray, Lord, would you help us by your Spirit to enjoy and express a supernatural unity, not a surface level agreement, but a deep joining of hearts and minds and going together for the glory of God and the mission and the gospel, taking the gospel to the world. Father, would you even add this, a, 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 even a, Lord, add those to us who are not the same as us. Lord, may we celebrate as we see different ones saved. Wow, I, I never thought, you know, I never heard of doing life that way or or that's, that's so different to the way I think. But nevertheless, wow, there's, there's a, a, a togetherness that we share because we have one Savior. And Lord, that brings lots of practical difficulties. And Lord, may you fill us with your Spirit to work those out together, to talk together, to get to know one another, to work out what it looks like. And uh, Lord, to demonstrate and show the world something glorious. Many are kind of, they have an inkling of this and a, a sense that there's something here. Lord, we have the real thing. And I pray you'd help us demonstrate it and show it to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.